0: You're listening to Brave New Words. My name's Ed, and I'm here with... I'm Ross. I'm Cy. Uh, And we're going to talk about books, because that's the point of the show. Uh, Mostly, we're going to talk about comic books and sweary, sweary, sweary teenagers, I think, pretty much. Uh, But coming up next, a jingle. Across the World. 24 hours a day. This is Fat Radio International. Wasn't that a lovely jingle? You can catch the show on uh, starburstmagazine.com You can also find us on Radio International.com And you can quite cheerfully find us also on the wonky spanner you can probably find us in other places as well if you want to comment on the show it's at radio bookworm and obviously like subscribe share tell all your friends all the rest of it tell the world please it really does help us out especially on itunes if you give us a rating even if it's a one-star rating and and you're just saying i can't hear anyone that's fine Uh, just just (laughs) put a thing on there it's
1: fine so um are we still at radio bookworm then
0: we are still at radio, but okay, sure, we, because uh, because everyone thinks that the idea of Brave new words is hilarious. Right? So there's a there's a Twitter account called Brave New Words, and it's locked. So I'm just like, mm. but it's a great name. It, it is a great name. Because because if I was if I was picking like you know if I was like putting and I was picking a Twitter handle, uh, I might have gone for Brave New Words myself. So you know, i have not been if, able to get that one.
2: But yeah, we've, got,
1: we've not progressed, have we?
0: Right, we've got radio. Book <laughs> like if that.
2: you if we at the age of 14 you picked Radio Book One that would have been oddly prescient
1: also impossible
2: because Twitter had I'd have to invent Twitter and also I'd have to invent we the internet we wouldn't put anything past you
1: at that age
0: <laughs> I am I am not secretly Tim Berners-Lee I have not
2: invented.
1: Or, the Barry Wayne. or are you Barry Ween? Yeah, ah! yeah.
0: So okay, so <laughs> Barry Ween, boy genius. We're going to talk about. We're actually going to talk about Hilo, the boy who crashed to earth, which is by Judd Winnick. It's a, a new comic book that's on Random Penguin, uh, Random House Kids, technically. Um, so, it Judd Winnick is an interesting creative type. He's done Marvel comics. He's done uh, DC comics. He's done comic book stuff in general. Um, and what's he
2: done for those? titles? Just out of curiosity. Uh,
0: Oh, that's a very good question. I think he's done some Arrow. Okay. uh, And that side of kind of the street level stuff. Right. Um, But you'd have to double-check on me (laughs) on that because (laughs) I haven't got it in front of my notes. Hilo is um, about a kid called Hilo who has a friend called DJ and has a friend called Gina. And they're a bunch of kids and the thing about DJ is DJ is doesn't think he's special. He doesn't think he's got any special abilities. He lives in a huge uh, Hispanic household. Um, and he's got lots and lots of siblings. And they do really, really cool things. And, you know, his his sister's a big tennis player. One of, the, one of his other brothers is into chemistry. Another one is a ballet dancer. Another one is just basically a genius savant. And DJ, DJ just does. Okay. Um, and his best friend is Gina and Gina is lovely and she's loud and she's clever and she's smart and she's funny and they just have random adventures until Gina leaves town and then DJ does nothing DJ's just on his own doesn't really have any friends doesn't think he's any good at, good at anything and then three years later a boy crashes to earth wow. and he's a loud mouthed boy with no idea what's going on with the world and he's wearing silver pants and he's very loud and he's got very poor impulse control. And and he's really good at stuff and he's really clever and he's really smart and he's really interesting and he also likes to burp and he's quite rude but in a in a safe for work sort of way. Right. And he has a mysterious past and there's there's something going on with Hilo. Because Hilo is a boy who's dropped to earth. And, and Halo, Halo might be a superhero. Halo might be defending the Earth. <gasps>
2: Defenders,
0: defending of the Earth. And and it turns out, you know, and essentially what we've got is a comic book here, drawn by Joe Winick, with um, giant robot, mystery, and three kids. Because Gina comes back. Obviously, Gina comes back because Gina's going to be the third camera character here. Um and you know Gina's smart and sassy and clever and here's the thing I really liked Hilo but I really liked Hilo because I really liked Barry Ween um, so about oh ten, fifteen 10-15 years ago this is where I feel old but an, a quite some time ago Only Press did a comic book called The Adventures of Barry Ween or, or Genius, genius. and it's not quite the same story. Okay, good because this is the one I've read. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we've got let's see, we've got so we've got Sarah, who's clever and smart and sarcastic, yep, and a little bit distant, and they they can't quite you know, uh, and they're, they're really really kind of fond of and the romantic character, and we've got. Another lad with a fairly large family, who gets in, who you're know, with a large Hispanic family, we should say, who um, has a lot of stuff going on in his life, and he's Barry's best friend. And Barry is this special boy who's a bit sarcastic and a bit sassy and a bit different. Yes. Uh, and the the difference between Hanno and Barry, Reen is the swearing, is the the first thing I would right. say. Um. We have to be very careful what we say on the radio, but I'm just flipping through Barry Ween right now. And, oh my goodness, we've got... There's dinosaurs. We've got dinosaurs. We've got... Uh, one of my favourite ever comic panels of all time is Barry Ween, who's accidentally crossed the the breeding cycle of hippos. The breeding cycle of... Is it flies or rabbits? rabbits? So he's just surrounded by lots and lots of hippos. And also, very, very fast. Go very, very fast. And also, um, hippo byproduct. He's drowning in hippo byproduct. Oh. Yep. Uh, so, so that's Bowie mean. And also, there's, there's government spies and government agencies, and a lot of swearing and fart gags. Hilo also has fart gags. Um,. Rather than rather than kind of the difference between the, the actual genuine difference between the two is this. Barry Bean, all the problems are created by Barry. Barry is a genius. Barry, um, there's, a, there's a wonderful moment where he stops, and he can't stop thinking. He's been thinking since he before he was born. His brain is constantly going on. And when he wakes up in the morning, his mind cheerfully works out when dawn will occur. So he wakes up, and he calculates. The percentage chance of dawn being at this p- precise second, but it doesn't stop there. It'll continue, and he'll he, his brain will, will, will roll on and say, "Here are the chances of why the sun won't rise. Here are the chances of why the sun will explode. Here's the probability of the sun explode, and the factors involved on this day." There's a lovely moment where he points out that. He is the source of most of his own
2: problems because he imposes limitations on himself because he doesn't want to get experimented on by government services or anything like that. Therefore, he limits himself to, I'm going to generally stay off the radar. I'm not going to conquer the world just yet. I'm actually going to appear like a 10-year-old for most of the time. And he goes to high school. And he goes to high school.
0: Uh, and he goes to high school not because he needs an education, because he doesn't, because he's by Marine, but he he goes he goes because he just needs... To be driven insane by other people. He needs human interaction.
2: Mm. Mm.
0: Uh, he desperately needs like other people in, in there to keep him sane. To stop him from becoming a like a mad, mad genius that tries to take over the world. Um, yeah, it reminds me a little bit... Well,
2: in, in part specifically because he has a laboratory under his house. He's, he's a bit Dexter's laboratory. Only without the oh, yeah. annoying sister.
1: Yeah. And or
2: I... explicitly, so as far as I know so far, an actual arch-villain. But... I think it's more of what. Have, what can we screw up with this week? What experiment hmm. can go wrong? Because Jeremy touched the button,
0: and I mean, this, the, he did three books, I believe. Jeremy did three Barry books, and it ended on a sort of downer. Um, well, I've it, only read the first two, so thanks, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> um, it, it's not. You know, it's it, it's again another adventure, but you only did three, and I think we all wanted more. And it's interesting that then Judd Winnick went off and had a career. Yeah. And off the back, he was on a, some reality TV show back when reality TV shows were, yeah, I think it was a different world or something, one of those kind of MTV shows where they say, lots of diverse people together and they, they do a thing and blah. Right. Um, and he was on that and that kind of got him some, some attention. Right. Um, and then he got, I think, he got enough attention. You know, you know, he was good enough to get the gig anyway. Mm. But he just got, you know, on the top of an editor's desk in time. If you see what I mean. And then he went off on the back of Barrymore and some other stuff that he'd done. He went off and had a career. And it feels like he's gone back to with, with Hilo. It feels like he's gone back to Barry Wayne. This is he's made his own remake. He's made his own remake. But there's also that whole thing where, you know, he's he's had a family. He's had kids. He's settled down quite substantially he wants comics he can actually show to them yes exactly yeah, maybe and, and and it's you know it's and it's, also that might have a market beyond adult well,
2: well I, I, the fact I, there is an adult market we've read books this I is how you I got know. your career no, yeah. but yeah he wants a bit more of market maybe yeah but it's an
0: interesting thing isn't it where you know there's a whole you look at say batman and you look at so comics as a mainstream and we sit there and we go oh well you know, we've made Batman grow up, and now we've got all these kind of that kind of grown-up mm. approach. Mm. The the damage that Alan Murray did to the comics industry. Now, there's a controversial statement. Um, so could, well, I don't
2: know where you could call it damaging. Several guns, because when Batman started off, the very first comic, I think he was using guns. He was quite vengeful, and then he became Adam West. So at some point it goes in the opposite direction as well.
0: Yeah, it was it was it was marketed mm. it was marketed so but surely it kind of was marketed towards a broader market and then be, be softened and softened mm. and softened, and then it was softened too much. And we've kind of the reverse is now we've harshened it too much to the point that we have a Superman movie where Superman kills people. And that makes no sense because that's not Superman. Mm. And it's like you know the the kind of the the wonderful and marvelous thing. Have you done the show about Watchmen?
1: Uh, we've talked about Watchmen, we've not done a show about Watchmen.
0: Because Watchmen is genius and it's, it's fantastic but I mm. think the problem is is that a lot of people read Watchmen and got maybe a 10% of what it was about and then went what we need to do now is we need to have darker comic books and you're like no we need to have
1: more comic books Yeah just, just variety
2: I'll, I'll throw in a shout at this point for uh, Superman Grounded which is what I've wanted to talk about for a little while now uh, which is it's a, it's a, I think it's a two book thing which came out ooh, a number of years ago. It started by J. not Krzynski. He didn't manage to finish his arc but the principle of it was Superman fights all these big battles, kills all these aliens in outer space, destroys all these you know, big things, deals with the, you know, the ramifications of Krypton's not quite dead or whatever it might be and is in the middle of a press conference where at some point a woman just turns up and says but where were you when my husband was killed because of such and such and slaps him in the middle of a press conference and he suddenly has this thought of, maybe the planet I was actually sent to, I've lost a bit of contact with it because of all these huge adventures because which are like, galactic in scale. I've lost touch with what's real. So he begins quite something. He lands in one point in America and starts walking across the continent, and just has lots of little stories with lots of people on a very very human scale. All of a sudden, and it's really really nice.
0: They did that with Captain America in the the nineties. Okay. They did it quite badly. Okay, <laughs> um, I'm not
2: saying these things can't always be improved, and there's a lot more stories there. Obviously, mm-hmm. I think at the time, so I've researched it since because I only got the graphic novel afterwards. But they had a letter writing thing. You know, people wrote it in saying, Well can Superman visit this city where I live or this other city?" Um, so they could pick out you know where basically where Superman was going on tour for it. I'm sure there's loads of stories they could have told and didn't. There's, G- there's, there's GMS there.
0: is obsessed with the long walk. As an idea. Because there's an episode of Babylon five. Yes, the walkabout with, with with the with I forget the name of the doctor. Stephen Franklin. Franklin, yeah. Franklin. And he's he decides to walk across the station. Or five miles of it. All five miles of it. But it's dense, it's up and down, yes. isn't it? So yeah, it's yeah. it's not they say it's five miles long, but it's, uh, if you go up uphill and down dale, it's much longer than that. It's mm-hmm. kind of like you, know, you let's do a volume uh, calculation here and work out exactly how much square footage you have to cover. But uh, let's not, actually. If you want to, to write in uh, Radio Big you can. But
2: Midnight Nation's another one. Yeah. Right? Uh, the, the point Sorry, cunning segue.
0: <laughs> the, the point I was getting to is um, that actually happened to GMS. It did. He, he used to go for long walks in, in I think it was San LA? San Diego. San, San Diego. He, he hasn't nuked it in certain series because of this. Right. He used to go for long walks, uh, and then he did get stabbed. He had wow. an encounter. He got stabbed, and then he had to walk to A&E with A and E with stab wound. Bloody hell! Um, and it kind of changed his priorities a bit, as as you'd expect. Mm. And then he's done that in 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 Babylon Five, and he did did that in Midnight Nation, which is not as good as I remembered it. Unfortunately, I reread it recently.
2: Oh, okay. I reread it recently, and I quite enjoyed it again, but. But we're having different sort of things, which is good. Yes.
0: No, I. Have you. you, The the plot of Midnight Nation uh, is um, a man makes a deal with the devil, uh, and the devil takes his soul. Right. And the devil tells him that he has to walk from. Is it LA to New York? Yeah, I think he's that far away. It's LA to New York to to ask the devil for his soul back. Right. And. He's got a year to do it in. um, And. Because this is a game between heaven and hell. Mm. Heaven sends an angel, right, to walk with him, and that's the deal. And the angel isn't really there to kind of make him do it, just to make sure that he doesn't, you know, to make sure the devil doesn't cheat.
2: Essentially. Yeah, okay. But he's also she's also for there him. because if he he doesn't get to New York in a year to ask the devil for his soul back, he will turn into one of the monsters who's pursuing him, and she wants to give him at least a few chances to, yeah, well, to not be that, to not be that.
0: Okay. So it's, it's it's it is really good. I just I, it's just one of those ones where I thought you know you know when you read something and you come back and you add stuff in your head because mm. it means whatever it means to you. Yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, Midnight Nation. But we've gone kind of we've slowly, slowly but We've like, digressed. We've, dig, we've I mean. digressed into
1: well, a, a walk conversation rather than a a darker, lighter conversation.
0: But we were talking about so the, 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 they keep doing that with Superman. They've they, they've done whatever happened to the American Dream. Mm. Uh, so what happened I what what what's wrong with truth, justice and the American way is what it's called. They've, uh, and, do they still include
2: the phrase the American way in it? Because he's become a bit more global since
0: he, then. He has. What happened was um, uh, Matt Miller, uh, Warren Ellis and basically angry British guys, who shouldn't be allowed to write comic books, uh, angry British guys, of course what? they should. angry That's British right. guys rule uh, the authority, which basically took the Justice League and made them darker and more interesting and more fun. Um, and Apollo was a version of Superman and they kind of examined Superman through the concept of Apollo. Uh, and in case in case you don't know the Authority, you should be the Authority. We've kind of, we're, we're dashing backwards and forwards on the on this show today, but the Authority has Apollo, who is Superman, and Midnighter who is basically Batman, right. and they're in a relationship, which is nice. Hmm. Um but the one, of the one of the Superman writers really objected to the authority's take on things. So he wrote what happened, you what's know, what was truth, justice, and the American Way, where essentially kind of versions of the authority take on Superman. Right. And, and Superman goes, I'm going to be scary, Superman. And he's scary, Superman. Mm. And it's like, well, okay, if we decided to do a really dark version of Superman, this is what he would look like, and he's not fun. Mm. If you see what I mean, I think this is the interesting thing. He said, "Getting back onto the topic, getting, getting." Yeah. Uh,
1: l- looks, I gotten... Look, got It is. Yeah. Um, they're pretty. What, what What do the books look like? Uh, let's describe what the books look like. So, to get back to topic. <laughs>
0: so, The Adventures of Barry Mean are floppy, floppy wee things uh, mm. on Only Press. They're fairly pulpy. You can still get them. Only Press haven't actually taken mm. them off the sale. Uh, Random House's Halo. Mm. Shall, shall we finish the review of Hilo where we've gone right, Random House, is, uh, the, the book is called Halo. it's on Random House, it's Halo, the Boy Who Crashed to Earth, it's suitable for your six year old, it's suitable for your uh, whoever in your life is a six year old at heart um, it's the first in a long wing series and it can fit in your school satchel. It does yeah,
1: I like it it's very nicely coloured as well, it's nice and bright bright blue, um, hardback
0: yeah. colourful, yeah Full
2: colour inside, whereas the Barry Weens is black and white. Yeah,
1: but Barry Ween, the, the, the art in in Barry Ween slightly reminds me of like um, Hobbs and um, Calvin and Hobbs, but obviously darker because you know there's lots of knob jokes and things and <laughs> an existential despair. Yeah, yeah existential I, it prefer, is. Yeah, well, yeah. whereas Highland you can't argue,
2: Well, Calvin and Hobbs could well have been an
1: influence. Yeah, <laughs>
2: it could, it could. I mean, there isn't a tiger, but there could have been.
1: Who, could, yeah. Yeah, um, whereas Hilo, the, the colours of it, and th- there's lots of smiling faces and things like that, um, so it's sort of like, I don't know, full colour Calvin and Hobbes with uh, superhero stuff going on.
0: <laughs> they, they've kind of boiled out. I think they, yeah, they, they've boiled it out. I've just had a realisation where is the the protagonist, the, the one of the female protagonists in, in Barry Reen appears to be how Judd it draws his wife. Okay. Whereas the kids, or oh, how he his kids in Hilo, so that's kind of sweet.
1: It is. It's oh. like they've boiled out the
0: cynicism from Barry Wayne. It, it's like you settled down, had kids, got found not, hope, found hope. <laughs> and it's kind of... But um, good, good, wholesome, wholesome family family fun. Shall we have a jingle?
2: You I insist. Sorry. <laughs> <Got Psych. it. laughs> this bump! <laughs> Starburst Radio, the greatest radio show in the universe. Every Wednesday, 9pm till 11pm, exclusive to Fab Radio International.
0: That was a jingle. Um, So we have all the comic books, because in the Book we have many, many comic books. But talking about, because we're talking about Halo and the fact that you can probably hide it in your pocket or your... your your satchel, or between your exercise books if you really wanted to. But of course, the classic for that would have been Commando, let's be honest.
1: The Commando comics. um, Things that you can go... If you go go to like war museums and things like that, you go to the gift shop and they will sell you Commando comics. Um, This is where I actually... I think I went to an aerodrome somewhere in in the Midlands uh, to an air show there, and they were selling (laughs) these little glorious combinations Combinations of commando comics. So, what I've got in front of me, I've got Actung, which is uh, versus the Germans in World War Two. Uh, I've got Tally Ho, which is the air war, um, Battle of Britain, and all that. And I've got Banzai, which is versus the Japanese. And uh, yeah, it's not racist at all. <laughs> I'm. I'm not even. Good Are these to... of their era? These very much of their time. No, I think they're done in like the 70s and 80s mainly. <laughs> these. Suggest...
2: Well, okay, I mean, sorry. I mean, okay. They're right. not produced now and, and still with that sort of tone in mind. They're of the seventh. These the more sort of 70s attitude to what the 40s were, or yeah, 40s think... attitude reproduced.
1: I I'd, I'd probably say 70s attitude to what the 40s were. Right. Um. When I when I come to look at it, I mean, let me let me look at some of the the, the sort of. So, First publishing dates.
0: Let, let, let's get the, the the basic premise of the Commando series out there. They are. I hesitate to say boy's own, but that kind of yeah, macho, kind of, kind of uh, young macho approach to what war would be like, cracking war stories.
1: Definitely, um, boy's own for sure. Um, you, you'll struggle to find many female characters, uh, but it is it is it's about. There's an interesting combination of attitudes in it because you've got this kind of like boy's own adventure war thing, but occasionally they have kind of horror of war moments so you'll you'll occasionally have like a character who is well we we would say these days suffering from p t s d and That's they'll true. occasionally throw stuff like that in there yeah um but yeah there's an awful lot of uh Daka daka Dakas on 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 the page when 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 Spitfires are firing and uh, lots of you know. Damn it, Charlie! I'm going down. No, it's fine. Pull, down. Um, Pull out. Pull <laughs> <and> out. out. Tally ho! Tally ho! Yeah. Tally-ho. <laughs> tally-ho, yeah. Um, so that, that that would be in the tally ho section. Um, so they do a funny mix. So they they it, there's lots of boys' own adventure. There is some of the glory of war. There is some also of the horror of war. Um, so they they sort of, but they they, they don't. It's not bloody. Um, yeah. It's not horrific horrific. But they're not just trying to sort of. Um, it, it's not it's not a recruitment campaign, as it were. Um,
0: war is Hell but
1: war, war is Hell but it's a hell that is worth it in the end because we're British damn it um, and there's a war on and there's a war on um, except when these came out I don't think there was a war on um,
0: 1961 when it was started apparently yeah uh, Britain, Britain's longest serving war comic yeah well, there we go nice uh, not longest size. running okay yeah. uh, publishing stories of action adventures since 1961 um yeah, the I I was at um, I think it might have been Fort Bubble um, where they had one of the artists for Commander Comics, mm. and he was seeing that one of the things that he has to be very careful of is getting everything right. So he had models, his models and drawings and original schematics mm. of the tanks and of the vehicles and of the uniforms.
2: Because this would have been the same sort of time where they were producing you know all the model kits and definitely um, you know all the replica stuff that you can. Yeah, that would yeah. also have appealed in that sense. So your, the that, kind of attention to detail. That,
1: that gift shop that I was talking about is, you know, like I say, you'll find them in war museums and places like that with those model kits. Yeah, all so the epic stuff. It's, yeah. it's it's the real, you know, actual enthusiasts will, will 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 love the kit that's drawn in it.
0: It's still in production, by the way, we should point yeah, out. DC Thompson is. still do Commando, up.
2: Right. Uh, you can subscribe. Um Oh, it's the, um, still producing new comics, it's not just, re, you know, they're still reprinting them, you mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, they, it's, as far as I can tell, they, they, yeah, they're still out there, it's still, still, still. you know, you can get Commando. I mean, um, I'm remembering, because
2: back when I was kid, when there was this, um, it's not quite A5 format of, of book, but it's, you know, it's a sort of small size, which you think, I don't know, maybe small hands, you know, the comics of that, that kind of size. But I remember, you know, there was that sort of size of, or Dandy Special, where you would get some kind of adventure yeah. of that size featuring those characters. You would get the football ones, there's a Roy of the Rovers, yeah, a few things like that. Um, which we okay. Also, yeah. I remember Cameron being these, you know, this little thin thing, which was okay, about sixty pages, and these are collections of. So they're still producing the little. You know, are they I'm sure about
0: the little them ones? in collect- collections I think they're still I think they I, I, I don't know do.
1: I haven't seen the individual ones in hmm. in, in, in those uh, either in comic shops or or in the, the sort of museum shops I they, they tend to be little collections of three stories well right. the latest um, issue
0: is called according to the internet it's called deadly triangle and it's issue 4954 Wow, well, take that 2008 <laughs> Um, so it looks like you can get
2: the. So you can still so hang, on, hang, on, hang on, hang on. The important thing here is there's going to be an issue five thousand not too far from now, and they're really going to have to stick it to two thousand eight exactly. <laughs> yeah, four
0: thousand four thousand nine hundred fifty four. It's goals. within a
2: year. It's going to be a year from now if it's weekly.
0: And that came out just September 2016, so it's still deadly triangle, shooting up unsuspecting unsuspect- British trucks in a captured ho again, was just one of the dirty tricks played by Eric Von Weiner, a pilot hated by his own men as much as the British. The feeling was mutual, particularly for Luftwaffe pilot Carl Lutz and Ted Bull of the RAF, two men linked to fate. To fit by fit to, earn to form a strange and
1: deadly triangle. This is great because th- th- that that summarises an awful lot of the kind of tropes that you get in commando <laughs> comics. So quite often you'll have your um... <laughs> calm down. <Ed. laughs> you, you you've got you've got um, the noble British hero. You know whether he's a you know a, a Tommy or an officer or a a, a flight captain or whatever. Um, and in there you will have. Um, There'll, there'll be an absolutely reprehensible baddie who, uh, who who's on the other side. The but, Red Baron. The, the Red Baron. Yeah, but but you also there might well be a noble baddie who right. just happens to be on the wrong side of the war. Right. And um, so there there is there are some levels of complexity to it. Yeah. Um. You but, know. Yeah. I mean, I think we've done
0: what everyone does when you you encounter commando, which is you go, "Is that still going?" And yeah. then and then you've, <laughs> you you realise because it's you can't just buy in the most shop news agents these days, but it's clearly it's still out there and people yep. are still subscribing. And it's very much, the website's very much getting me to subscribe. I'm just looking at Battle of the Black Crow. The Black Crow was a pirate ship sailing the seas of South Cuba and tussling with Navy vessels from many different con- con- countries. There's... Do you need oh, a moment? Yeah, I need a moment because... <laughs> Because there's this Scottish pirate fighting some Spanish pirates, and the Spanish pirates were in sombreros. So,
2: okay, so, so, so that, there me. are some questions for the authenticity of what was going on.
0: I have to give this to my Tita pepper; she'll laugh herself sick. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Um... Yes, um, the, the the one after that is Atlantic Killer, which I'm hoping. I'm just looking at it now. Oh my goodness! It's it's about U-boat and it's about um, the ships they used to launch from because um, they didn't have aircraft carriers. They didn't have many aircraft carriers, right? So what they would do is they would take a tug or a frigate, yeah, and they would put uh, a bot essentially a bottle rocket, like a long metal tube, right, mm. that they they would then put on a hovercane. Okay. Yeah. And the way that you fire a firework is the way that they would fire launch these, yeah. they, they, they would launch the, the these hurricanes, which they called hurry because 'cause they're because right. they, they were sea modified. Yeah. They would launch the hurry cats into into the sky and then it would fly around for it. Yeah. Uh, see off the the kind of the hunter killers and all the rest of it that had come across to, to, to interfere with shipping. And then they had but they only had a limited amount of fuel and time. Yeah. So they could either try and make it back, they could try and make it to Russia, or they could try and make it to, to, to Blighty, or they could risk it and, you know, drown in the North Sea. But, you know, they didn't have it, was a terrifying kind of way of doing it because they couldn't land. Once you've launched, that's it. Everything's gone wrong, you're in the North Sea for a bit. Yeah. Ooh. In the middle of a war zone. Not pretty. Yeah, so kind of really, really scary. Um, I think I I can't mention I think we can't mention Commando without talking about garfennis briefly. Um he's a Garfannistic preacher and a whole bunch of other stuff, but he, mm. he also does war stories. Right. And he's done some absolutely beautiful war stories in the past as well. Uh, for DC. Um not DC Thompson but DC Comics. He's done some right. so some like kind of inspired stuff. Mm. But um, I have a feeling that he probably owns every single thing that Commando has ever produced.
1: They are quite good stories, and you get the same ones over and over again. Um, there's Curse of the, um, right. where there's kind of, you know, the, the, the there's a, a cursed soldier. Well, trust <laughs> me, some...
2: this is the kind of thing where you could have the you know, soldier on his first tour, maybe his first kill, but it's not probably not going to go that into that sort of thing because it's actually trying to appeal to seven year
1: olds somewhere along the line
2: well it, the, the, I don't it know occasionally how, have does stuff, it get to that kind of dark
1: uh, it, it kind of does and he'll, he'll come back and he'll be shaken but he'll you know it's fine his, his, his Sarge will help him get back on the horse again but there'll have been a bully in his troop that, that also wants yeah, to bring him down you'll have your so, young,
2: young soldier trying to you know get used to the the pattern of things but yeah, not necessarily his first kill as the obstacle to overcome
1: yeah yeah, there, 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 there are. are, there are yeah, dark, but yeah. It, it's
0: it's interesting that it's still going because there the was also the the was like Victor and Warrior in that entire range of comics in the seventies and eighties. If you lived in the UK, uh, by the by, if you're an American listener, and you're going, what are all these things? The internet is your friend. Um, but there was Warrior and Victor, and slowly, surely, with those, they kind of ended up all becoming part of 2008, right? Pretty much 2008 ate them. Eagle Comic ate them. Right. And then um, the ones that weren't eaten by Eagle Comic were eaten by two thousand AD. But does anyone else remember Johnny Red? I don't. No. Garfenis went Garfenis rebooted it for I think Titan comics recently. But Johnny Red was a British guy who wanted to fight the war, take it back to the German so bad that he joined the Russian army Right. And he's a he's a British fighter pilot in a either a hurricane or a spitfire, but it's heavily modified, so you can do all sorts of heroic things. Right. And he's got obviously his his navigator is a stoic Russian man who hits things with an enormous spanner and just kind of like <laughs> Yeah. And he's like this, this Russian hero and he's called Johnny Red. Um I know so I, is this
2: World War Two era man from Uncle? Yes, It's
0: absolutely, <laughs> absolutely crazy kind of stuff, but it's all it's all cracking kind of fighter races. Okay, um, and the flip side <laughs> to that, of course, is Charlie's War, which is World War One. Um, again, Fleetway, not DC Thompson. Charlie's War is really dark. It's by Pat Mills, who is miserable. Um, I love Pat Mills' work, by the way. Because he's like one of the British comic masters, but Charlie's War is World War One. Mm. Charlie isn't very bright. He doesn't really understand, you know, what he's letting him he's down for. for yeah. and yeah. it goes. It does the song and it
1: does all the rest right, of it. So it's, and it's, it's it's dark and dark and dark. I mean, the Commando walks the middle line. I think b- between those things. So it does introduce the darker elements. There might well be someone who's upset because he's killed some Germans, but ultimately. There'll 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 be a kind of redemption thing in there because he then goes and kills a German who was really bad, um, so it, it does it walks the line. It's not necessarily realistic in that sense, um, but I I like it. I do. it. It makes me smile, and there's lots of daka daka. The way it treats um, our allies and, and and other races generally is quite good. Um, so you're talking about you know. Someone who who teams up with the Americans, so there'll be there'll be there'll be one where they team up with the Americans, and the Americans are very gung ho, etc. But there'll be one who isn't. Um, So it's kind of like it's a little bit racist in a way, but there's always the exception to show it's not really racist. I (laughs) see. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like like here is a standout stereotype which you shouldn't. this is what stereotypes. This this is what this is
1: what they're all like, uh, except. Unless you meet them properly, in which case they might not be.
0: Um. Right. So it's sort of like it's sort of like walking you down the path to understanding that stereotypes are in fact a bad thing, and you yeah. should work against them by introducing you to the concept of stereotypes. Yes. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. The the the, the, the Banzai uh, series of comics that in there is. Um, well, you'd enjoy the med because I've I've listened to you play "I Am King of Tokyo." <laughs> okay, I see. Yes. So, yes, um, grabbing a
0: stereotype and, <laughs> uh, and probably yes. Okay, um, actually, just uh, talking about uh, war stories, which is the the, the <laughs> going back to the the uh, Garfenis thing, and the reason the original run of it had like it had David Lloyd and David Gibbons doing art for it and all the rest of it, right? Um, so. Um, Nightingale which is about a cursed ship right they are cursed Um, uh, the Reavers which is about uh, adventures in North Africa I seem to recall Commando they like their tank stories
1: they like tank stories they also like curses Um, it's a segue into a war story it's a way of telling it's a way of getting into the war story but yeah
0: Archangel, which is the story about camera ships, but the one that always, and for obvious reasons, uh, the one that sprung up my mind is a story called Condors which is set in the Spanish Civil War Wow, okay uh, and it's four soldiers, I seem to recall it's an Italian, a German a Spaniard and uh, a scouter Is this some sort of joke? Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> and, they're all in a, and they're all in a foxhole Right, uh, and they uh, are explaining why they're at the civil- why they're in the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, and essentially, the the uh, German pilot is there because he's prepping, his mm. trip, which is something they did. They they, they added their their, their, their expertise. Yeah. because they were essentially getting experience in. Right, um, he said oversimplifying that, um, but it's this this wonderful story where the, all four of them, are talking about why they why they are there. With the exception, of the Spanish guy who's there because it's his country, and he's just like, "Get out of my country, all of you! You know, stop killing each other and stop it." Sort of thing. And it's a very staunch anti-war
1: story. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, um, and it's very angry as well. Because Garth
1: Anis, I mean, I'm wondering, bad. Commando or, or Garth Ennis or anyone, they, they, they could really go do that sort of thing with the um, the current war against ISIS, and you've got all these basically international mercs joining up with the Peshmerga and it's a similar...
0: It's interesting that we don't <clears throat> see a modern... It's always the past. I
2: th- yeah, there isn't a, a Gulf War I mean, version they... of this. Or, a, I don't know, oh, there's isn't the a command they've done the Gulf War yet. I don't, I don't know. know, is there a Vietnam version? Oh, you know, the, the, which, the, the, okay, that's going to be more American version, but...
1: Yeah. I assume
2: that we... Vienna, I, can, I, I mean, the,
1: the, 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 the Spanish Civil War is, is relatively contemporary in that, that mm.
2: regard. Well, I mean, just look at I'm, I'm just flicking through one of these, these books, and one of these these curses of, and they've gone found this this old castle where, which presumably has a curse, and they're presumably bedding for the knights and something while they're trying to solve this mystery. But um, but yeah, but they have you new. Know, whoever's done the artwork has gone back and said, well, centuries ago, and you've got knights on horseback, and you've got yeah, old um, you know, kings and you know, royal outfits from centuries earlier. So they could easily you know set you know go for, I don't know cavaliers versus roundheads. They could. He says nothing here. You know, the only thing we know about them is the haircuts, but um, <laughs> uh, but you know they could go into that kind of detail. They could you know do Brave Braveheart properly. They could they could uh, do, with, yeah. with an actual Battle of Stirling Bridge.
0: They have done <laughs> Vietnam and Iraq and Commando comics, um, wow. and they've also done the Napoleonic Wars. So mm. I think it's all fair game. Which mm. um, is a, a copy here to hand. Okay. also, also I think there's a level of sensitivity. Yes,
2: yeah. I, th- I think yeah. If someone were actually on a Public scale producing a lot of comics set today, you could argue very easily this is a propaganda thing, or this is mm. it, this could be misconstrued by a lot of people.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's there's that whole real person fiction yeah level as well that you've got to you kind of yeah
2: we, we can we can turn Hitler into a caricature, we can't do that yet with Saddam Hussein. Maybe. No,
0: um, not really. I mean I mean we we do, South and we, yeah, Park, but we <laughs> but the, there's. I, I suppose... There's a bit more reticence.
2: Yeah,
0: Hitler's safely dead.
2: Yeah. Well, that's okay. That's not yeah, anyway. <laughs> Come on. He said, "I'm that's gonna, another comic." I'm going to get another glass of
0: water. <laughs> we, we've, well, we've gone from we've gone from kind of uh, uh, on the show for so far. We've gone from the kind of going from that youthful ex- exuberance and being really rude and cheeky to growing up and doing something for kids, and then we've gone gone to the darker sort of comic book, and then we've gone to a really dark topic, which is war. Mm. Which is aimed at, at a younger sensibility. Um, I wouldn't say kids, but it's aimed at a kind of more yeah, light-hearted,
1: you twelve, thirteen-year-old boys, isn't it? That's yeah. wired, well, talking. you can
0: tell. I mean, just from the art
2: style. I and mean, there's a there's a, uh, a rules I read from a book i won't about cartoon styles and how they basically decide you know how big certain character features are. Mm. Which basically, if you work, if you just look at say, a full size pitch of a, a character mm. in a comic book, uh, and basically compare the size of their head to the rest of their body. And if you you know the sort of more character style, which is uh, which uh, Hilo and Barry Wayne seem to follow, which he seems to be, his They've head got is massive. Heads. Yeah, it's you know it's a scale of maybe you know one head to maybe two mm. if that. Whereas the uh, whereas the you know the sort of more um, macho comics are you're talking about one head to about six or seven. You know hmm. the ratio is about one you know, eight heads tall. Yeah. Well, it's because and it's
0: it's almost portal. It's not portal realistic, but you can you have got, like, yeah. got a photograph feel to it where.
1: It's
2: yeah it's, not, it's house texture yeah it's not superman or or Conan barbarian levels of musculature it's you know it's quite mm. realistic it's around six or seven mm. but is it, as a rating mm. system that's
1: that's interesting it's
3: we should
0: decent. point out like, the individual issues are available from d c thompson you can get individual issues of commando from d c thompson the cool. actual the actual collections are by Col- Carlton who um Carlton do they puzzle cool books, ones, they? <laughs> and, yeah, they do puzzle books and they do collection books and they do this, this sort of yeah. kind of they were publishing publishing aggregate. I would say, um, we reviewed very recently the puzzles of Middle Earth, which is on con, <laughs> and it was it was lots of standard riddles that had given a kind of elf dwarf riddles in the dark kind of vibe, right. but um, totally totally dyed grass at that point. Um, so, yes. We've not come to any conclusion.
2: And the, well, the, we have. What, comics are good. Comics and, are good. And they cover yeah. lots of topics. They
1: do. And the, you'll find something for everyone. What, what, what made me think about... I know we're going back to the dark place again. The, 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 uh, there was a Radio 4 interview with this woman who was doing, interviewing a former Welsh guardman who was currently fighting with the Peshmerga. And it, the way he talked about it just really reminded me of a lot of the conclusions that the Commando comics came to. He's like, I'm here because I have to be here. I volunteered, you know. I'm not getting paid. It's yeah, and it, it's that hero. It's the it's the hero vibe, isn't it? Um,
0: I, I think getting back to the why isn't there any more more modern war stories? Mm. It's because I think it's harder to have that light-hearted sensibility. the The more you go into real world common mm. affairs, I think it's harder. Yeah. And it, it, it's 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 we we're,
2: we're more cynical about jingoism.
1: I think we are.
0: Yeah, that as well.
2: Someone who's willing to you know stand up and be patriotic and die for their country, and we slightly question how bright they really are at mm. this point. I don't
0: um, know. I, th- I think that's unfair. No, no. I, okay, um, but I see what you're saying. I think. I think. I, 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 I that badly. I, I don't think anyone goes into this in the middle world now without understanding what jingoism is. If you see what I mean? Yeah. And mm. I think it's part of. It's part of how you, you operate in the world, is you, you, that sort of thing. But I, I would would we
1: see Commando's as I think it is, but it's also aware that it is, and it tries to move past it, if you see what I mean. It's, it's yeah,
2: interesting. And I'm, I'm only flicking through some of these things. You've got one of these moments where someone is about to crash, or someone is making decisions about where they can get water from because they're in the middle of nowhere, and they're thinking, well at least if I find the jerrys, they'll have water. I might be taken as a prisoner of war or something. So you, there is a sort of human element to that. There is. The, the, it uses jingoistic
1: There's, language because that soldiers did yeah, and do use jingoistic language.
2: Because you can identify a nation, yeah. an, an enemy by which nationality they represent. Yeah, De- is it, is definitely,
1: it, definitely, and, and there, there are a reason why national stereotypes exist. But it, it moves up beyond it. You know? It's an interesting point.
0: If you're going to spend all your time making sure that that Truck tire has five wing nuts, not four. Mm. Then you might as well also try and use as much of the language and the attitude. Yeah. But at the same time, be mindful of the fact that the world has moved on, and you know, mm. and the uh, people who you're picturing
2: have essentially have descendants who are you may also meet in the world. yeah Well,
0: it's 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 more the fact that you know you could you can argue that stuff like this. Uh, Terry Pratchett's Jingle does this very well as well. Stuff like this operates as a bit of a vaccine mm. to to you know you understand the attitude, you understand where the attitude came from, so you yeah. don't end up being an awful awful ass yes. to strangers. Yeah. Yes, you,
2: this is the they've, they've started putting this warning on uh, cartoons recently. The, this 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 cartoon is being depicted exactly as it was because we one. Yes, it's got some stuff in it which is appalling and was wrong at the time and is wrong now. Um, but we're going to show it because pretending it doesn't it didn't exist. This is one of the This is the yeah. The, 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 this is the one you they're putting on things like I think Tom and Jerry cartoons.
0: That's been around, that's been around for a while actually. It's been yeah. it's, The big Warner Brothers collection's been out around for a while, and it's on there for two reasons. Reason one is and irritatingly one of the UK releases. They still removed some of the cartoons. It's like it's I know they to be,
2: edited out things like some of the cigarettes. But yeah,
0: it's meant to be a complete collection, guys. That's have the complete it's collection. The complete collection. Yeah. But it's in there because they wanted to do a complete archive. Yeah, it's also in there because there's an awful lot of people who are still quite angry at Disney, um, and Disney did some flat out racist stuff. And you'd be hard pressed to find any record of Disney doing that from right. then. Mm-hmm. I think those warnings are a bit of a kind of, you know, we're, we're happy to to make this publicly available. Mm. Yeah. With, I mean. with this advisory note, but yeah, yeah, with this advisory note, so it's a it's an archive of history, but um, I haven't. So yes, tally hall, <laughs> tally hall, chaps. Let's <laughs> I... get another cup of tea. The thing I love about that, by the way, is that you don't want to be complaining about words like in it. And 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 <laughs> rah, and all the rest of it. Yes, Tally Hall was that of that, that generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we think it's terribly posh, but it's not. It's it's literally being it's your young person's language, and, and silliness. Um, I think we've completely failed to make any sort of sensible point.
1: So about normal. Well, I don't are, think okay? that the, there are any. There's no right answers. <laughs> to a lot of these points, <laughs> but we talk about them. Yeah, think about your audience. Treat it responsibly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> shall we? Shall we talk to a lovely author? <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. William Dietz, welcome to
3: Brave New Words. Well, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, what is your latest work, and what, how would how would you describe it to us?
3: Well, my latest uh, novel is called Into the Guns, and um, it's a uh, near future, post-apocalyptic, slightly dystopian military science fiction novel.
0: What is it about military sci-fi that just won't go away? Why do we, why do we keep wanting to read about future war?
3: <laughs> well, you know, I think there's a number of things going on with that. One is um, military science fiction, and in fact, military fiction of any sort. I think, uh, in, in the literary sense, uh, is an opportunity for any author to write about people at their very best and their very worst. Um, I served in, um, the United States Navy and spent some time with our Marine Corps, not in combat, by the way, mostly in bars and, uh, you know, in <laughs> less, uh, dangerous situations. Uh, but, uh, but I did learn something from that. I learned something about the culture and, and I learned a lot about people. And, you know, in military situations, it's all stripped away. You see the good, you see the bad. And there's something really compelling about that as, as a writer.
0: You're probably best known for um, the Legion series. Um, where does that come from? Because it's very detailed at points.
3: Well, it, it comes from... First of all, kind of a commercial interest in trying to create a successful series. Back in the uh, early 90s, I wanted to kind of up my games, so to speak. Uh, My agent at the time told me I needed to, uh, you know, think about it, come up with something new. And where military science fiction was concerned, there were various other authors, excellent authors like Dave Drake, who had staked out. Different parts of the military science fiction universe, if you will. I mean, I'll I'll use Drake as an example. He is a Vietnam War veteran who uh, was a, a crew person on a tank in Vietnam, and, and his fiction, you know, reflected that when he invented this this uh, universe and the Hammer Slammers, you know, a group of mercenaries who ride around in tanks and and uh, earn money by taking over planets and things like that. So I I wanted to come up with something of my own, something different. I didn't want to just imitate Dave or one of the other great authors. And uh, I thought about it uh, over a period of time. And I'd always been interested in the French Foreign Legion, um, which being, uh, you know, a Brit, you're more familiar with than a lot of people here in the United States are. And, um, you know, I, I thought it was a fascinating organization, the notion that all these people from all sorts of different walks of life were part of it. And, of course, it has a legendary history in terms of battles fought, the Ben Fu, all of that. And, and so I was thinking about that, but I was also thinking about a future in which cyborgs are going to be an important part. I mean, we're already there, really. Uh, I'm a cyborg in a minor way since I have two fake lenses in my eyes. Uh, and uh, all of us are, you know, we're getting hips, we're getting hearts. We're getting all kinds of internal pieces that uh, we weren't born with. And as I look forward uh, and I put those two things together, I thought, well, what about a future in which uh, French Foreign Legion is being used the way the French Foreign Legion has always been used by France, except by a futuristic space empire? In other words, a force they can use to maintain order and achieve their, um, their goals. And some of the people in this uh, organization are cyborgs and more than that people who you know were given a choice after committing a, a, a heinous crime uh, you can either uh, you know you're going to execute you either way but you can be brought back to life as a cyborg and be part of the, this uh, this organization called the Legion or you can die and of course a great many people chose or at least choose in my futuristic uh, universe to come back as a legionnaire.
0: How much, as a science fiction writer, um, how much do you find you're racing the future?
3: How much I am what? Do
0: you find that you're racing the future, that the current events catch up some some of your work Uh, in a certain sense? Yes,
3: well, definitely. Like right now, we aren't to the point where we have... Uh, you know cyborg and cyborg related technology has not taken us to the point where people are just brains in a in a mechanical electronic body but we're getting closer all the time and you can read about it in the paper and you see it on television all of the wonderful developments that science is bringing us mainly to help people who have some kind of a, a physical problem but Science, you know, often starts out trying to do something good like that, and then eventually, of course, uh, the military and other people find ways to use that technology, and that's what I'm positing here. We're getting very close. The military is already struggling with the question of robots, and robots who have enough onboard intelligence uh, and decision-making ability that they can decide whether or not to... Uh, you know, launch a uh, missile at a village, uh, which might be occupied by ISIS or might not. And um, as we get into that whole area, science fiction is closing in on um, on where we, you know, where we are scientifically.
0: You've written um, tie-in fiction in the past. Is there any other? Um, is there any other sandpit that you'd like to play? Um,
3: you know, I think. It's funny uh, that you should say that. I mean, the very first book I wrote, which I assumed would be the only book I wrote, because I wrote it thinking, well, it'll never be published, and uh, it'll just languish in my desk drawer, and my kids will find it after I die, and go, look what Dad did. Um, But uh, it was a book about a, a futuristic bounty hunter, and so I put everything in that book that I was interested in. I put in cyborgs, I put in military things, I put in futuristic criminal enterprises, I put in aliens. I mean, really, I left no stone unturned in terms of all the things that fascinate me. And, um, and so ever since, I've been writing books that really focus in on and expand on various parts of what's in that first book. And so I am working my way through all of those tropes and, uh, and having a good time doing it. Um, who
0: do you think are, are doing really well in the world of military sci-fi? Who are your favorite authors in that particular genre?
3: Well, I mentioned Dave Drake, and, um, and he really is outstanding. He's also just a really nice guy. Other people that come to mind is, you know, uh, Ringo, uh, is great. Um, you know, um, uh, Williamson is great. Uh, you go back and of course Heinlein, I mean, who can beat Heinlein? Heinlein was an inspiration for me when I was, uh, you know, a boy reading all those books, reading Starship Troopers, for example. Um, those were, uh, those were books that influenced me greatly. And, um, you know, so, uh, but the, one of the ironies about being an author and having written a bunch of books is, is that I have to kind of try not to read a whole bunch of science fiction because I don't want to, particularly military science fiction, because I don't want to unconsciously uh, start copying anybody.
0: Why do you think science fiction has become had, has had this massive rise in popularity recently?
3: Well... I think that, um, you know, there's the freedom of it, first of all. I mean, the ability to really um, create a sense of wonder. Science fiction is, is about certain things. I think, one, it's about a sense of wonder. It's about really making people feel something and see something they haven't felt or seen before. It's also, I believe, ultimately about what it is to be human. I mean, that is the, I think that's the central core, actually, of science fiction. You know, by exploring questions around aliens and interactions with aliens and space travel and all of these different things, we really are talking about what it is to be human. So I I think there's a, I think there's a pull there. I find it interesting that culturally, at least here in the United States, you know, people look down on science fiction as a literary uh, medium you know it's thought to be commercial it's thought to be kind of you know uh, not that literarily important and yet you look at television you look at movies and half of them are science fiction tropes and um, you know so to your point it continues to be um, uh, very important to to our cultures
0: what's next for you what's your next big project
3: well, there's two more uh, volumes of uh, this trilogy to come out. This, the Into the Guns is the first one, and uh, it will be followed by a book called uh, Seek and Destroy and a third book called Battle Him, all part of something called the America Rising uh, series. And um, what I've found is so far the book has been pretty well received, and um, you know what I've found is there's this very interesting place right now in alternative history it's kind of like alternative history as i'm sure you know ed is like this little place between science fiction and mainstream literature it's like a little crevasse right there for lack of a better word and uh this book lands solidly in that alternate history space kind of the area pioneered by Turtledove, you know and uh, I think I'm going to continue to work that a little bit. I have some ideas it's a little too early to talk about them now, but uh, I have some ideas uh, that I'd like to, uh, I'd like to work on in that area.
0: Um, so if you got to preserve one work, one book, one, one creation, any any art form, and that gets to outlive the Sun, what would it be?
3: Oh, that's a that's a cruel question, Ed. I mean, you're talking about all of those books are like my children, you know, and um, so picking one out and saying, "Hey, that's that's the one." Uh, you, oh man, that's a tough question because um, when I think about it, I mean, the first one I was still learning how to write books, and it was like a miracle. I sent it in, and it was purchased the first time I sent it in by the first publisher who looked at it. And uh, so I'm sure it has a lot of flaws and everything in it. And then my most recent books are, you know, um, much more practiced and I hope better written than they were, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, that's really tough. I, I guess what I'll do is I'll choose Legion of the Damned, the first Legion of the Damned book, simply because it was an inflection point in my career. It was a departure from, you know, uh, kind of... Uh, space opera that was not fully focused to something that was a larger um you know canvas to uh, to create on so i'll i'll pick that one but it's kind of arbitrary
0: if you got to pick um sorry if you got to give the 16 year old version of yourself one piece of advice what would it be
3: (laughs) do better in school i was a terrible laggard i uh I spent all my time reading books and very little of my time studying and my grades reflected that.
0: Is the science fiction community as welcoming as it thinks it is?
3: Is it as well say again Ed? welcoming? Welcoming. Uh that's a that's a good, that's an interesting question as well. I think that the people in the science fiction community are very very friendly. I think if there if there's a lack of welcoming, it's just around the depth of nerdiness that all of us have. I mean, it's like if you were to walk into uh, a big convention, let's say WorldCon, and you'd never been to a WorldCon before, it would be like being dropped into Hong Kong or or um, you know Beijing or something, and not being um, a native you know speaking um, Chinese person. I mean, there's all this complexity and all of these different subgenres and all these people in costumes speaking languages that would sound foreign to your ear. I mean, it's, the, it's just all of the stuff that is built up over time would be um, difficult to deal with right off the top.
0: And finally, truth or beauty?
3: Truth or beauty. Uh, I know nothing about beauty, as you can tell, looking at the screen. Uh, so I would go with truth. William Deeds, thank you very
0: much for your time.
3: That lovely offer was lovely.
1: I like them.
0: No, very nice. And obviously, if you want to be on the show, uh, get in touch with us at Radio Bookworm. You can also get in touch with me as ed.fortune at Starburst Dot com. Because Brave New Words is brought to you courtesy of Starburst Magazine, Fab Radio International, and the Wonky Spanner. If you want to want to help promote your small press. Big press or whatever book-related thing, get in touch as well, and we'll see what we can do. I, I think we're going to have to climb into or Spitfire and uh, go and fight giant robots. Does tell you
2: me, does Spitfires have room for three?
0: Especially <laughs> <laughs> modified, especially like. modified Spitfire. <laughs> no, a bit tight. <laughs> it doesn't. This <list> comic, right? <laughs> I've been in Fortune. I've been Ross. I've been Cy si. and you've been the listener we